well, our refrigerator is thinning and emptying out now. The Thanksgiving uh, leftovers are disappearing. Thanksgiving is done. It is December 1st, the first Sunday of Advent, and you know what that means. We can now officially listen to Christmas music without feeling weird about it. <laughs> now, I would say, um, I don't know if, I'm, if you're like me or anything, but I know for me, Christmas music isn't just a good part of Christmas, but it's actually, it's kind of essential for Christmas for me to have Christmas music. Now, if you remember um, the end of the original 1966, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So the Grinch uh, stole all the presents. He thought that he was gonna finally get rid of Christmas, right? And so he does that. He's up at the top, and before his heart grows three sizes, before they have that meal, you know, that crazy, long, winding, Susian table that they have, before that happens, um, the thing that caused the Grinch to have his great epiphany is that the Who's down in Whoville all gathered together, and what did they start to do? They sang, right? They sang a Christmas song, and they gathered together, and it was beautiful, and it was wonderful. So the Grinch found out that you can have Christmas without presents, and I realized that although I love eggnog and I love frosted sugar cookies, I can survive Christmas. There is Christmas even without those things. But if you take away Christmas music, it just there would be something essential missing, I think, from the holiday. Imagine decorating your tree to the sounds of Elton John and Post Malone. No, we want Nat King Cole, we want Bing Crosby, we want Michael Buble and, and, and their tones. Some people prefer Amy Grant, some people prefer Johnny Mathis, others like Taylor Swift or Run DMC. That's a great Christmas song, by the way, Christmas and Hollis, I'll just say that's a great Christmas song. I'm seeing some nodding heads. Um, but no matter whose version of the songs that you prefer to listen to, it's great to hear songs like White Christmas, or one of my favorite songs is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. I was listening to it last night. One of my favorite versions is by um, Frank Sinatra. I love his version of it. Um, and every now and then, I'll even get in for some of the funny and silly Christmas songs, you know, Dominic the Donkey, anybody? Yeah, Don John knows that one. Dominic the Donkey, and Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, other things like that. See, Christmas music is important um, partly because it helps to put us into the mood of Christmas. You know, there's songs of peace and there's songs of beauty. There's songs of joy and songs of anticipation. And there's also just something very nostalgic about hearing these old tunes that we love. Um, you know, I'm thinking, like I said, of... of um, uh, Frank Sinatra and, and these voices and just it just draws you back. The nostalgia of that old music is beautiful. And for me, it's like music can just make it, you know, people say, well, it just didn't feel like Christmas. It just didn't feel like my birthday. But with Christmas music, it just draws you in and there's this sense of, okay, now it's Christmas and it feels like Christmas with this music. But for us as Christians, there's something more important that happens with the Christmas music. Because we know that Christmas isn't just about Santa and snowmen and reindeer. It's not even just about family and spending time together and coming home for the holidays. On Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. So we sing songs like, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Joy to the world, O Holy Night. Well, every Advent here at Faith. Um, we spend December reading the story of the birth of Jesus. We read from Isaiah, we read from Luke, we read from Matthew and other places. We hear words like, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. 
we hear about good news of great joy. So we sing songs like Hark the Herald Angels Sing and it came upon a midnight clear. So as we're planning worship, as we're thinking through um, December and, and things, when one thing that we try and do is, is we help, help people to try and make a connection and we hope that people will make a connection. So when we sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing and it's, and it's on a Sunday that we're talking about joy, we're hoping that people kind of put that connection together of like, oh, we are singing, you know, the angels, the choirs of angels are singing and we're singing along with them. They're songs that are of joy and, and all of that kind of stuff. Well, this year we're gonna do a little bit more than hope everyone makes the connection. Um, we're going to be studying the word of God and what God's word has to say about the birth of Jesus, but we're also gonna be taking a closer look at some of the songs that we're singing, and we're choosing the songs very intentionally each week. See, and I, one thing that I like about the Christmas songs, the, the, the Christmas hymns and the carols, is, is that they... Although they are not the inspired word of God, they point us to scripture over and over again. And they tell us the amazing story of, of the birth of Jesus Christ. They're great tools that help us to worship, that help us that, to draw us closer to Jesus Christ, and they tell the story of the coming of the Messiah. So over the next four weeks, we're going to be singing these songs and we're going to be reading the Christmas story from various places. We're gonna learn about these you know, four themes of Advent. We're gonna learn that in the birth of Jesus, we see the hope of God's people fulfilled. In the birth of Jesus, we have the ultimate source of peace. In the birth of Jesus, we experience tremendous joy. And in the birth of Jesus, we encounter the love of God made complete. Well, one of the great Christmas hymns is O Come All Ye Faithful, which we just sang. It's an 18th century song, and the earlier version of it is the Latin Adeste Fidelis. The words say, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Now, what's interesting about this song is, you know, you've, you've probably sung it or heard it many, many times throughout your lifetime, um, and it's a joyful song. It's a great song that, that, that I, I love to sing, um, but it's more than just a happy song about Christmas. You know what this song is? It's this liturgical idea of it is a call to worship. Oh, come, let us adore him. It's saying, oh, come, all you faithful, come to this place. This is what we are going to do. We're inviting you to worship. And at, at the beginning, you know, when, when Rashad says, good morning, everyone, and what he is doing is he inviting us into worship. He's saying, let's stand up, let's worship together. So, oh, come, all you faithful, is a call to worship. So, my hope over this month is that you will take this opportunity, because th this is like our theme for this month, is O come, let us adore him. Our hope is that you will take this opportunity to not only remember that Christmas is about the birth of Jesus, and not only think and say to people, well, I wanna make sure it's about Jesus, but to actually take this Advent, this Christmas, as an opportunity to worship him. To worship him when we're in this room and when we're singing songs together and when we're praying and when we're giving our offering and, and when we're reading from scripture, to worship him that, in that time, but also to worship Jesus as you are wrapping presents and listening to Christmas music, as you are washing dishes, 
as you were doing the normal things of life, as you were doing the normal things of Christmas, to make this entire Christmas season about worshiping Jesus Christ. You see, this time of year, we hear the songs a lot, and sometimes, you know, one of those, one of those great big, I don't know if it's a college word or what, but, but the big word is ubiquitous. You know, uh, Christmas music can become ubiquitous during this time of, of the year. You hear them over and over again, and you don't necessarily try to tune them out, but we just get so used to hearing them that maybe we'll just kind of sing along and, and don't even realize the important truth that we are singing. Now, I know a couple years ago, um, we talked, and I think last year as well, that one of my favorite Christmas movies, thanks to... Um, Michelle introducing it to me about 18 years ago, um, is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It is a great, great Christmas movie. So, so there's this one scene where the family is going to get their Christmas tree, right? And they're loaded up in the station wagon and they're driving along and, and they're singing some songs. You know, uh, Clark and Ellen are up front, you know, belting it out and harmonizing and, and doing all the silly stuff. And the kids in the back seat are rolling their eyes and, and, and all that good stuff. Um, so, so at one point they sing, you know, Deck the Halls and they're trying to get the kids to sing and the kids won't sing. But does anybody remember what song it is right when you cut to that scene when they're in the car. Anybody know what song it is? Not Joy, Joy of the World is Later. That was, that's another song that we just kind of forget about. There, there's one scene where Clark is singing and Ellen is singing with him, Oh, come all ye faithful. And he says, Oh, come let us adore him. And then they're harmonizing Christ the Lord. They're singing the truth of the gospel in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We've gotten so used to hearing it that sometimes we tune out what they are actually singing, what we are actually singing. The message of Jesus, the good news of Christmas, pops up all over the place. Now, you can look at Christmas vacation and go, oh, that's silly, they're just singing that song. We can look at that or we can say, you know, it is everywhere. You know, there are so many opportunities for us to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can even go to Chevy Chase to hear the gospel of Christ as he is singing about Christ the Lord. We have all of these opportunities if we will pay attention this whole month, to celebrate the hope and the peace and the joy and the love of Christmas. And above all, above all these things, we'll have these great opportunities to worship Jesus Christ. And I know it sounds silly to sing along and, and to think of these things as you're, as you're shopping and all that, but I don't care if it sounds silly. It is an opportunity to worship Jesus Christ. Each time we hear those songs, whether it's in the grocery store, whether it's on the radio, whether it's in worship, it is an opportunity and it is a call to worship Jesus Christ. Well, today on this first Sunday of Advent, we are thinking about the idea of hope. Well, Micah is a prophet that we wouldn't necessarily, often when you um, study uh, the birth of Jesus, we, we look to Isaiah, and we did earlier, and we will again look to Isaiah. But today we're gonna look to Micah. Now, Micah was a prophet around the same time as Isaiah, which was about 700 years or so, a little bit more, um, before the birth of Jesus. Now, a tiny fraction of history is that Israel and, and Judah and the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom um, were, were captured by the Assyrians. The Assyrians had come, in, had come in and they had taken over. So there was Micah and he was this prophet and he was living not only under this terrible situation, he was also living um, in poverty among, among the poor. He saw people being defeated, people being abused. These were difficult times. I'll invite you to listen to the word of God through the prophet Isaiah, sorry, the prophet Micah, uh, verse, chapter seven, verse one through six. What misery is mine? 
I'm like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There's no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other with nets. Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. The best of them is like a briar, the most upright, worse than a thorn hedge. The day God visits you has come, the day your watchman sounds the alarm. Now is the time of your confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Even with the woman who lies in your embrace, guard the words of your lips. For a son dishonors his father. A daughter rises up against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. But these are tough words to hear, aren't they? Not exactly the kind of Christmas message that you would hope to come and hear. When he says, what misery is mine, another way of saying that is, woe is me. The message paraphrases it and says, I am overwhelmed with sorrow, sunk in a swamp of despair. So Micah is in misery here going, this is terrible, this is awful. Look at the state of the world. Look at the state of our nation. Look at the state of our people. Well, then he goes on and he shares this laundry list of all the things that are terrible. There's no food, living in poverty. The faithful are gone. They are swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. Now, here's something important to to recognize. He's not just saying, oh man, all these bad guys have come in. It's not just that the Assyrians have overtaken us, it's we're messed up too. You know, sometimes what would happen um, in scripture, you look at judges, you look at other places, that the people of God would sin and then God would say, okay, well, we'll let the bad guys come in and take you over. It's not like they were just sitting there so innocently and, and being wonderful and out of nowhere they came in. So he's looking at it saying, look how terrible the people are. Look how terrible things are happening here. He says, everyone lies in wait to kill each other. I love the line where he says, their hands are skilled in doing evil. We've gotten really good at it. Our leaders are corrupt. Our leaders are conspiring. They are taking bribes. They are taking money from people. God's righteous judgment is coming. Not just on the Assyrians, but on us. Friends and family cannot be trusted. Spouses, children, servants. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. So you understand why at the beginning he's saying, woe is me, what misery is mine. I'm overwhelmed with sorrow, sunk in a swamp of despair. Things are bad and seem to be getting worse. They've been conquered, they're drowning in sin, they're destroying one another. Now these words were written, like I said, about 700 years before the birth of Christ. But they could easily have been written in Jerusalem the day that Jesus was born. And if we're honest, often it feels like these words could be written even today. Micah was a voice of lament. He was crying out in frustration to God. But the good news is that it doesn't end there. See, we read chapter 7, verse 1 through 6, but listen to what he says in Micah 7, 7. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. So like all the people of Israel, 
Micah was asking God to deliver them. But what's important, what's different about Micah is that his prayer is not blind desperation. He wasn't just looking for deliverance from their captors. He saw the ugly truth of their situation, the ugly truth of what was happening, and he saw their sin and their role in it. But through all of this, he watched in hope for the Lord. He remembered the promises of God and he was waiting expectantly. The pivotal words in this, in this verse are, but as for me, everyone else might be falling apart. Everyone else might be eating each other alive. Everyone else might be just completely getting destroyed. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. My God will hear me. Micah had hope. Micah trusted God. Micah's trust, Micah's faith, Micah's prayer was not, well, you know, well, hopefully, eventually, things will just kind of work themselves out. This too shall pass, and we'll make it through all of this. No, his hope was in God. His hope was in the deliverance of God. His hope was in the Lord. Well, that hope was fulfilled 722 years later when a young woman was told that she would give birth to a baby and that child would be the Messiah would be the one that God had promised so long ago. Well, she and her husband, Joseph, had their baby and they named him Jesus. And on the eighth day after his birth, they took Jesus to the temple. Hear what happened, bless you. Hear what happened in Luke chapter two, verse 25 through 32. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God again. So like Micah, Simeon stood apart from the others around him. In the face of Roman occupation, in the face of corruption within the temple, Simeon was righteous, he was devout. He was obedient to God and he served faithfully where others had so often failed. And like Micah before him, Simeon watched in hope for the Lord. Well, in his final days, he got to see that hope fulfilled. He got to see the hopes of Israel, he got to see his own hopes fulfilled as he held that child in his arms. I love this next picture here of Simeon. I don't know who the artist is, but I love the joy as he's, as he's holding Jesus and is just overwhelmed with seeing his hopes fulfilled, seeing what has finally come to pass. Simeon saw the salvation of God and he responded with joy and with worship. Well, today, as we said, we celebrate the first Sunday of Advent, and it's a Sunday of hope. And we live in a time 
like Simeon, like Micah, when hope can be hard to come by. But like Simeon, we live in the glorious reality that the Messiah did come. See, Micah had to hope, Micah had to wait, and Micah didn't even get to see it. He got to see some of the fulfillment. He got to see some of of God coming alongside his people. But Simeon got to see the fulfillment. Simeon got to see the birth of Jesus, the coming of the Messiah. So like Simeon, we look back and we say sometimes it's really hard to hope and sometimes we look at the mess of this world and we, and we go, when is Jesus going to fix things? When are things going to be right? But like Simeon, we know that God does fulfill his promises. But actually what's interesting is you look at Micah. Micah was the one with real faith in this whole thing, Right? Simeon got to see it happen. We get to know that it happened. We get to know that Jesus is Messiah. We get to know that Jesus lived and Jesus died and Jesus rose from the grave. We know the fullness of who Jesus is. But Micah said, as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. So we too watch in hope for the Lord. And like Simeon, our call, our invitation is to respond to that hope, to respond to that good news, to respond to that joy with worship. In a few minutes after we finish our our sermon time, we are going to take our offering, and then right after that, we're going to sing an old song. It's Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, written by Charles Wesley in England in 1744. It's a beautiful tune, and, and it, it seems like one of those that should be sung by, like, Victorian carolers, you know, with, like, the ones that we have here with the ladies with the, what do they call those things that their hands are in? Muffs. Okay, I almost call them mufflers, but they're not muffs. So they put their hand in there, and they're all dressed up, and they're all fancy, and they're singing along, the men are in top hats. But before we just shift into standard Christmas mode, because I'll I'll be honest, that's something that can very easily happen for us. Okay, sermon's over, back to a song. Oh, it's a Christmas song that makes me feel so good and it's so great and so wonderful to sing these Christmas songs. But before you do that, if actually don't do that, um, listen to the words of the song. And listen to them in light of Micah chapter seven. Come thou long expected Jesus born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us, let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation. Anybody recognize the word consolation there? Simeon was waiting for God's consolation. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. And one thing that I, that I, I put the slide in and what, what I often do is I'll, I'll put things into my notes and then I'll decide, nah, I'm not gonna do that and then I come right back to it. So sorry, Tyler, I apologize. There's not a slide for this next one. But the next verse of the song is about not only look at the joy of, of Jesus coming and the hope of Jesus coming, but also it's again that kind of now what and the fact that he has come to bring his kingdom and we have come and we are to be a part of that kingdom and we should serve him and glorify him. So that'll be the second verse that we sing. This is a song of hope. This is a song of trust. And again, I invite you to sing it not only as a great Christmas song, not only as a great Christmas hymn, but as an act of worship because we have come, again, our theme, O come, let us adore him. That is the invitation today. Well, today, 
is December 1st, as we said, and if you don't pay attention, you'll blink, and the next thing you know, it will be Christmas Eve. My encouragement to you is don't get so consumed with buying presents and making and eating cookies that you forget to actually celebrate Advent. As you drive around town, as you're listening to the radio, as you watch Christmas movies, as you walk through stores and hear music in the background, pay attention to what you're hearing. Because, yeah, there's going to be, you know, Rudolph and Frosty and all those songs, which are great and they're wonderful. But you'll probably also hear Joy to the World. You'll hear Hark the Herald Angels Sing. O come, all ye faithful, joy to the world. Slow down. Listen to the words. And if you have the nerve, join in the chorus. These are opportunities to worship Jesus Christ. This is a great month for that. This is a great month, you know, when people are more likely when you invite them to come to worship. This is a great month that they might show up. This is also a great month when you're just, you're surrounded by Christmas. And I know that there's, you know, kind of this thing of, well, Christmas seems to be disappearing, but there's a ton of Christmas out there. There's a ton of opportunities to hear the gospel. You might not realize you're hearing the gospel, but you are hearing the gospel with each of those songs. Join in and worship him. Remember that God has given us music as a gift, as a way to worship him, as a way to connect with him, as a way to raise our voices with others and proclaim the good news. One other thing that, that's, that's, that's really helpful, for me at least, is as you are choosing which Christmas songs you're going to listen to, and maybe as even other people might hear those songs, be thoughtful even with the songs that you're putting on. And think of that as a way of sharing the gospel, which sounds kind of weird to go, I'm gonna share the gospel by playing a Christian Christmas song? Yeah, absolutely. But pray about it and pray for those opportunities. Pray for opportunities with with Christmas coming up saying, who can I invite to come to worship? Who can I invite to come and adore Jesus Christ with me? There are many, many opportunities this Christmas season, this Advent season, to prepare for his coming, to worship him. To rest in the hope of all the earth that Jesus is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the hope of Christmas. We thank you for the joy and the peace and the love and this amazing gift that you have given to us. Lord, help us to make the best of this opportunity to look at so many chances we have to worship you, to thank you, to glorify you, to sing your praises, to sing the good news of Jesus Christ, to share the truth joyfully that Christmas is about your birth that Christmas is about the fact that, Father, you sent your Son to be with us and to give his life for us. Lord, may this be an Advent, a Christmas of worship, an Advent and a Christmas of hope where we look to you and where we trust in you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.